All right, I got a somewhat controversial question to ask you tonight. I like superheroes, like action movies. Really, I, I love them. Love when the when the heroes win and the villains lose. I think it whooped. You know what I'm talking about? That's fun. So here's here's the question: Who is the superhero? Like the best superhero? And you don't say Jesus on this one, okay? Like we we all know Jesus is better and, and greater than everyone else. But like superhero movies, comic books, TV shows, who you got? What did he just say? Stanley. Oh yeah. All right. Now here's a. All right. Thank you for your responses. And here's the interesting thing about this. There's names of all kinds of different superheroes or lame people that call themselves superheroes that were just shouted out, right? My personal favorite, I won't say he's the best, I'm not going to debate and fight you, all right? But my personal favorite was Batman, and it's just because we watched him growing up. Here's the thing about Batman. Um, Batman, Batman is said to not really be a superhero because he doesn't have superpowers, he just has a lot of money so he can buy super cool gadgets and do lots of neat stuff. Um, so anyways, if you don't like Batman, that, that's fine. But Batman was my superhero growing up. So when, uh, when I had my birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese in North Little Rock, is it Chuck E. Cheese's or Chuck E. Cheese? Anyway, it, it's a really big mouse. He likes cheese and, and you know, kids have birthday parties there, whatever the case. We went to Chuck E. Cheese, had a birthday party. And one of my cousin's best friends dressed up in a Batman suit. So what do you think I did when I saw him? Somebody got it. I yelled and screamed. I ran into the ball pit. You guys remember the old school ball pits before they got rid of them because of communicable diseases? Yeah, I ducked into the ball pit and I just hid there. I was scared of this guy. This was, this was Batman, you know. Anyway, I came back to the table had fun, blew out the candles, gave Batman a five. It was, it was all good. But he was my superhero, my favorite one growing up. He always saved the day. And this is, this is kind of an interesting theme that I've noticed throughout superhero movies, at least as of late. There comes a point, either in the movie or in the trilogy of movies or in whatever, I don't even know, what, Marvel has like, what, 24 movies now with all these superheroes in them? There comes a point in these movies that the superhero or the superheroes are forced to make some difficult choices and decisions, right? Like a lot of times, the superheroes are forced to make a decision between saving this huge group of people over here and like this one person. You know what I'm talking about? Don't you love it when it comes to the point in those movies? By the way, Spider-Man always makes the worst decision when it comes to this point. So, that, that was just a stab at, at the guy that thinks he's cool. He's really a dweeb. So, in this, in, in this point, the superhero's got a real decision to make. Does he save his girlfriend? Does he save all the people on the bus? Right? Does he save the little orphan kid? Or does he save the whole stadium full of people? You guys know what I'm talking about. These scenarios and situations are real difficult, isn't it? I love, in superhero movies, 
when they absolutely refuse to make the choice between this group of people over here and this one person over here. Don't you guys like that? And I love what happens. You might call it cheesy, you might call it unrealistic or idealistic, whatever you want to. I love when the hero is able to save all of these people and this one person over here. Do you guys like that? At the end, man, the bad guy gets shown falling off a building into the abyss or he ends up in jail for the rest of his life talking to himself because he has problems. It's always cool. And I think that's what makes superheroes in our minds so great and so neat and so wonderful and so likable, right? It's because we think, we like to think, that if we were a part of the narrative, if we were a part of the story, and we were just one person, that that superhero would risk his life, would risk everything to save us and to save everybody that they possibly could. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died for the sins of the world. A very famous verse. Many of you have heard it before. John chapter 3, verse 16 says this, For God so loved the world, that is the cosmos, the world He created, the people that He made, He loved them so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. I think we, we kind of get the idea in our minds after we watch the superhero movies and then we go and we live real life. There's really nobody like that. There's nobody that could save everybody. There's nobody that would take care of this whole huge group of people and at the same time have enough strength, enough ability, enough courage, enough smart to get over there and save the one person. But I love what's wrapped up in that verse in John 3.16. You might have missed it. So I'm going to say it again. I want you to listen very carefully. God so loved who? The world. Everybody. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, how many is that? Just one. That whosoever, any one person, any one someone, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. To me, Jesus Christ is not just a cheesy, make-believe superhero. He is the one who came to save the world from sin. And he does, and he will, and he can. Last week, I talked to you about the number one. If you were here, maybe you remember it. I think it's a big number in the Bible. God loves the one. He cares for the one. He goes after the one. You guys heard the song, Reckless Love, how he leaves the 99 he goes after the one lost sheep. Well, over in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus was teaching in parables. And in, in Luke, he's talking to people about the importance and the significance of the number one. Because really, the number one to Jesus wasn't just a numerical value. It represented a person. A person that was made in God's image, made for relationship with God, and made to honor and glorify God. 
And so Jesus told this little story in Luke chapter 15, verses 8 and 9 and 10. And I'm going to share it with you tonight. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now this story comes after the the story that Jesus told about the man who had a hundred sheep and one of them had gone astray. So the shepherd, being a good shepherd, left the 99 sheep at pasture and with the rest of the flock and he went after the one lost one until he found it. When he found that he brought it back to the fold and he rejoiced. Jesus tells a similar story with this woman. This woman has 10 silver coins. That might not make a big deal to you because when we think about coins in our day and time, we think about things like, uh, like this, a little penny. Arch handed me this one. He found it on the floor in the mat before he came in here. How many of you are real concerned that you lost a penny tonight? And like you just, you're like, Jake, man, I lost this penny. I need it back. I'll hook you up. I'll give it to you after church. Do we get real excited? We get real frustrated over losing a penny? Anybody? I mean, I haven't seen anybody throw a fit or anybody come up here like, Jake, that's my penny, man. I got to have it tomorrow. Why? Because we don't view coins as valuable. We, we don't. We should, because when you get into hundreds and thousands, you realize you only make those by dollars and cents, right? Okay, so keep that in mind, future reference. But at this day and time, coins are very valuable. In fact, they didn't use paper money like we use in our day and time. They didn't have debit cards, credit cards. They didn't do electronic bank transfers. They kept up with money through coins. Coins were valuable. In fact, coins weren't just made out of any random metal. They were made out of precious metal. That is, the value of a coin was the value that it held by weight most of the time. These coins were silver. Not just shiny in color, but actual silver. They're called a drachma. A drachma was about the equivalent of some day's wages. Um, it's that there's a description in uh, Roman literature, Roman history, that says that a drachma could be anywhere between a day's wage up to two and a half days' wage, just depending upon the time at which it was valued. So let's just say that this woman, who's got ten silver coins, hasn't lost a penny. She's lost something far more valuable than that. In fact, if we go just with the conservative estimate that a drachma was about a day's wage, she's lost 10 days, or she has 10 days worth of paychecks in silver coins at home. And if she's got those at home, most likely it's because she is saving them. People didn't deposit checks from their employer like they do in our, in, in our day and time when they got paid. When you received money and you wanted to save it, you kept it at your house for safekeeping. You didn't want the Romans dipping their hand in it for taxes. You didn't want so-and-so down the street 
taken a little off the top. You kept it yourself. You kept it safe. And so this woman would have kept the 10 silver coins at home, safe in her house. Do you think she would have gotten a little upset if she lost one of these 10 coins? I do. Think about it. If you worked a full day at your job, or your dad or your mom worked a full day at their job, and they had 10 days worth of money saved up at, their, at your house. You kept it in the closet, locked away in the safe. You just got out to count it when you were putting more in there just to make sure you had everything. But one day you came to find that as you were putting another day's worth of money in there that you had earned, that you had lost some of it. What if you did? What if you had 10 $100 bills at your house? Some of you, that's a lot. Some of you, it's not a whole lot. What if you had 10 of them at your house, in your closet, and you lost one? What would you do? What if I pulled a $100 bill out of my pocket right now and said, hey, somebody found this on the Mac floor. Is, is this yours? Yeah, there we go. All of a sudden, it becomes a little more valuable, right? Jesus wasn't talking about something of insignificance or unimportance. He was talking about something of value, especially to this lady. And so what did she do when she found out she lost it? She turned the house upside down, trying to find it. You guys ever done that before? You turned your car inside out trying to find something? You turned your room upside down looking for something that you lost. You know what I'm talking about. This is what this lady's doing. She's looking for the one lost item. Was she content saying, well, you know what? I've got nine days worth of money. Who cares about that other one? Did she do that? Have that attitude? No. Because in her heart and in her mind, this held value. This one coin held value just like the other nine did. Understand, just because the one coin was lost didn't mean it was any less valuable than the other nine coins that she still had in her possession. You see, we get this idea in our minds that, well, Jesus is powerful enough to save people. Jesus wants to save people, but man, Jesus has saved a lot of people, you know? I mean, we, we look around tonight. Go ahead, look around. Take a look at those folks next to you. If they're sleeping, slap them on the head. Not too hard. Just wake them up. All right, so you, you see these people around you, and, and we go, hey, there's, there's some people here at church tonight. That, that's good. And we kind of get this idea in our minds that, well, you know, I mean, we got a lot of people coming to church. Why do we need to reach out and go get any more? Do you think that all of us are any more valuable than any one person outside the walls of this building? I don't. You see, here's what I think. I think that when the Bible says in John 3, 16 that God so loved the world, I think that means he loved each and every one in the world. In fact, so much so that Christ Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross for your sins and for mine and for everybody else's. And so for us to have this attitude of, well, you know what? A lot of people have been saved and a lot of people know Jesus. There's, there's lots of people coming to the youth group. There's some people coming to church on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. Do we really need to worry about that other person across the street? 
or so-and-so just outside of town? Are they really, really all that important? I think they are. I think you are. In fact, Jesus thinks each and every one has value and worth in his eyes. And he knows because he made them and he died for them. Each and every one. And Jesus says this, just like that woman who goes after the lost coin, the one lost coin, wasn't satisfied because she had the nine, wanted all ten. Jesus says, I tell you in the same way, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When one person gets saved, it creates a celebration in heaven. You guys ever stopped to think about that before? Just think, think through this with me. What makes God joy-filled? What brings a smile to his face? What causes him to be so excited and so happy that he rejoices and dances and sings and claps his hands and jumps up and down? Do you think it's when a bunch of people get together and they say, hey, we, we're going to sing at church. I think it's good. I'm glad you're here. But I think the thing that makes God the most excited is when he sees somebody that he created who's been living in sin and living against his will and somebody for whom he sent his son, gave his son to die on the cross. I think when he's been waiting and watching for that one person to turn away from their sins and to turn back towards him, I think he's looking. And all of a sudden a grin comes across his face. And all of a sudden he's just hanging on the edge of his seat. On the throne of heaven. The king of kings and lord of lords. And he's looking down, he's peering into this earth. And he's going, come on. All you got to do is... Just turn away from that stuff. You know it leaves you empty and unfulfilled and unsatisfied. Just leave it alone. Yeah, repent. Now come to me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you life. I'll give you freedom from your sin. And when that one person, one woman, boy, girl, man, decides to leave their sin behind and to trust Christ as Lord. I think that God rejoices and it's really cool to watch. You ever seen a grown man get really excited, filled with joy, and genuinely happy about something? Some of you may not have. I've seen guys get pretty animated and excited about some things. Favorite team scores a touchdown. End of a superhero movie. Captain America saves the day. That's what I'm talking about. But this goes beyond that kind of happiness, that kind of excitement. This is the king of kings rejoicing over his children. In fact, here's, here's what I think it looks like. You ready for this? 
I've got four kids at the house. Mally Grace is seven, and Mordecai is five, Branch is three, and little Mason. He's about nine months old. It really hurts. Whew, it hurts me. If you're a parent, you understand this. When one of my children decides to do something wrong, you know what I'm talking about? You got to send them to the stairs. You got to put them on their beds in their room. You got to take a toy away. You got to spank them. You got to talk to them about how they need to obey you. You got to talk to them about how they're supposed to listen. And it's like this feeling of anger and frustration and sadness. And you're upset and disappointed in the way they've been acting and behaving. But then there's the time when this child that's in your household gets it right. And to anybody else, it it might not be all that significant or all that important. But all of a sudden, when your five-year-old and your three-year-old have been fighting over a toy, and you say, boys, why are you doing that? And the one boy hands the other boy the toy and says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hit you. How about you play with this instead? That might not excite you, but let me tell you what this does for me as a dad. I don't do this on the outside, but on the inside, you know what I'm doing? Yeah, buddy! You got it right! You told him you were sorry. You meant it. You love him. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You're the man that God created you and called you to be. Way to go. Listen to me. You can laugh if you want to. But God longs and desires to rejoice just like that and even more so over each and every one of you and every single person in this world. Just one. Just one. There is joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Over one person who turns away from the evil they've been living in and trusts in Jesus to save them. So I've got two questions for you tonight instead of one. First is this. Are you the one? Are you the one sitting in here tonight? Who's been coming to church? You listen every once in a while, but let's just be honest. You come because of the food and the fun and the girls or the guys. Or because it's the right thing to do. Maybe you're an adult, not a teenager. You've been coming to church, but you know that you're the lost one. Maybe you just need to come tonight and give your life to Jesus. He's waiting for you to come home. The Father is in heaven, arms open wide, ready to receive you and embrace you and forgive you. Are you the one? Do you need to be saved? Do you need to be found? Here's a second question. Who is your one? If you're a Christian, you don't just get the wonderful privilege of knowing God's forgiveness. You also get the responsibility of going out and sharing the forgiveness that God offers. If God celebrates in heaven when one sinner, just one, repents, what are you doing to cause God to celebrate? You're his child. He rejoiced when you came to faith in him. 
This isn't a party that you get to keep to yourself. This is joy that God wants everyone to enjoy. It's a joy that he wants you to be a part of. There has never been anything more exciting in my life than to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you have been Christians for a long time and you've never gotten to experience that joy. Some of you have tasted that joy, but it's been a while. Who's the one person in your heart, in your life, in your circle of friends, in your sphere of influence that God is putting right on your mind's eye right now? You see their face, you know their name. Who are you praying for to come to know Jesus? Who are you inviting to church? Who are you sharing your faith with? If Jesus came for the sins of the world and to save each and every one, who's your one that you're pointing towards Jesus? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? The band's going to come up and lead us in a song. Here's what we're going to do tonight to, to close out. As they're playing through this song, I'm just going to ask you if, if you're the one who needs to be saved tonight, how about you just come down here and say, Jake, I'm the one. I need to be saved from my sins. I want to repent of my sins and trust in Jesus as Lord. Or maybe you're here tonight and God's put a person on your heart, a one on your heart that you need to go after. Somebody you need to be praying for. Somebody you need to be inviting to church. Inviting to come to youth on Wednesday nights. Inviting to your Sunday school class on Sunday mornings. Even sharing your faith with. Maybe you just need to come up here and kneel down at this altar. Say, Jesus, I know that you died for this one person. Jesus, help me to point this one person to you so that they can be saved so that they can be found as God calls you tonight